Hello, hello everyone. It is the holiday season. Happy holidays. We actually went back to our backlog and we dug up this little mini-sode for y'all and we hope you can use the information in your own virtual gathering and wow some crowds with your cool etymology knowledge. Enjoy! Welcome to the Yellow Ranger Fan Club. I'm Claire. And I'm Mari. And together, we're the hosts of the Yellow Ranger Fan Club, a monthly pop culture podcast about being female, Asian, and dorky. So are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? We are ready. Okay, so we're going to jump into our topic today then. We're going to be talking about borrowed phrases in English. Um, Mari's going to start us on the history of... um, borrowed phrases. Um, and I'm really excited to learn more about it because really the ones I knew was like long time, no see. And like me love you long time, which is super gross. And, <laughs> and let me down an awful rabbit hole when I looked that up. Don't do it. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Okay. Mari, take it away. Okay, so I'm not really going to go into the history of loan words too much or borrowed phrases. I'm more going to discuss the really interesting ones that I found. Pretty <gasps> exciting. <laughs> yeah. So loan words are defined by Merriam-Webster, which is my favorite dictionary, as a word taken from another language and at least partly naturalized. So some are obvious, like je ne sais quoi or schadenfreude or karaoke, and some are less so. And I mean, English is made up of a whole bunch of different words from other languages and things like that, which makes grammar kind of weird. So um, we have lots of loan words in English, and that leads to some really odd cases. For example, moose and goose. The plural of moose is moose, and the plural of goose is geese. And why is it different? It, I believe it's because... Um, Moose is an Algonquin word, an Algonquin loan word, um, first used in 1603. And goose, it comes from Old English and Middle English. So the origins of the word sort of determine what the plural will be. I have a question. Uh-huh. What's the plural for mongoose? I believe it's mongooses. So I think I looked this up the other day, and it's apparently mongooses and mongeese are both accepted plurals. What? <laughs> mongoose? No. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's that just blew my mind. <laughs> okay, so moose is moose, goose is geese, and mongoose is either mongooses or mongeese. Which? What is the origin of mongoose? Let's see. Um. Yes, I know what a mongoose is. <laughs> Excuse me, what is the etymology of mongoose? <laughs> yeah, it's Hindi and Marathi. So it's a Ma- Marathi. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this language. I apologize for butchering it. Um, but it looks like it's from South Asia, which makes sense. That's where the animal is from. Yeah. Anyway, I did a deep dive into the wonders of the Merriam-Webster Dictionary to find some common words with Asian and Pacific Island origins. And um, it's really fun because if you go into the dictionary, a lot of the entries have little descriptions about how the words entered the language. And it's, I'm a writer. I really enjoy these things. (laughs) Do you have a least favorite dictionary? A least favorite. 
probably Urban Dictionary. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Because whenever I go on Urban Dictionary, it's always very educational, but I really regret whatever I learned. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, so we'll start with words from East Asia. Um, This one's pretty obvious, tea. It's um, a Chinese word that English has been borrowing since the mid-1600s. And apparently brainwashing is a literal translation from a Chinese phrase that we started using in English in the 1950s. And uh, we also tend to use a lot of literal translations from Chinese. Supposedly, long time no see and no can do are are like that um, as long as love me long time, maybe? I'm not I think sure. That's from Full Metal Jacket from uh, oh. Vietnamese prostitute ah. that was being portrayed by. Okay. Um, I think Papillon Susu was the actress. Ah. So I was totally wrong there. <laughs> do not quote me. <laughs> <laughs> but Long Time No See and No Can Do are um, literal translations from Chinese. I do remember that. I believe. It is. I know that Long Time No See. Um, definitely is because that was something my my aunts and my uncles were very amused by. <laughs> now I'm thinking about brainwashing and I'm like, yeah, that is like a borrowed phrase. Like it's the same literal translation. Um, question, why do you think these were the words that were borrowed or loaned over? Um, you know, I'm not sure. These ones didn't have a explanation. Although uh, brainwashing from the 1950s, it might be due to um, the revolution in China at the time. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that brainwashing was such a modern term. Yeah, it's very recent. Huh. Um, so weird. Yeah. A lot of the um, Japanese loan words are actually from around World War II or after World War II. So honcho, like head honcho, mm-hmm. um, means leader of the squad or section or group. And that one um, entered the vernacular through the military after World War II. And another post-World War II edition is skosh, like a little bit, from skoshi. And that's also from Japanese. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, like, the military is basically being stationed at these different places and they're, like, picking up the local dialect, I would assume. Mm-hmm. I think so. Then um, Americanizing them to be these phrases. So now that they're part of the English vernacular, are other English-speaking countries using them? Ooh, that I don't know. Okay, let me look at Oxford English Dictionary. Okay, so it looks like... I ended up going to the Cambridge Dictionary because um, I don't have a subscription to the Oxford English Dictionary. But um, they do have honcho, but they do not have skosh. So looks like some of them crossed the pond and some of them didn't. That's really interesting. I wonder if it's Mm -hmm. like specific stations, right? Because I'm sure there was also British military in Japan. Mm -hmm. Well, that's super neat. Yeah. Shall we move on to... uh... Yes. Okay, so... Our Pacific Islander, um, our Pacific Islander loan words. So the first known use of taboo, as in something forbidden, is from 1777 and comes from Tongan. What? So the first known use of taboo, as in something forbidden, is from 1777 and comes from Tongan. And we get 
tattoo as in the body art from Tahitian. However, tattoo as in a rapid tapping sound is from the Dutch phrase tap toe and is not related to the art of tattooing at all. <laughs> That's so interesting because they're like yeah. almost exactly the same word. They are spelled the same. Yes. Yeah, because I remember reading a phrase just recently was like the, what is it? The tattoo of my heart against my chest, which uh-huh. would indicate the Dutch um, word, right? The tattoo meaning mm-hmm. with a tap. But at that time I was like, maybe her heart was beating so fast that she was like tattooing, like the imprints mm. of it because mm-hmm. of the action of tattooing could be like needlepoint. Right, right. But yeah, that's another one of those unusual cases where it's two words with two different meanings that are spelled the same in English, but have two completely different origins. Ah, so cool. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Southeast Asia. In general, um, I don't think it would be fair for me to use the words for animals and plants and food, because a lot of those are just words that we took from the local communities and use them in the same way. So like bamboo or papaya or things like that. Um, mongoose. mongoose is probably yeah <laughs> mongoose. however yeah <laughs> however the malay word for fish sauce became an english word that around the late 1600s that we use all the time and that is ketchup oh what yeah we still have fish sauce though i know but that's where ke- the word ketchup comes from because okay so i also see catsup right k-a-t-s-u-p catsup yeah, and then C-A-T-S-U-P. Yes, so are there, like, regional differences for, like, how ketchup is pronounced? Like, some areas were saying ketchup versus others that were saying ketchup, and then, I don't know, red fish sauce? I suspect that's the case. Um, it's probably regional. Kind of like kitty corner and catty corner, or soda and pop. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um so where are the regions that use catsup now? I'm just wondering. That I don't know. Because I haven't seen catsup on a bottle in a while, but I also don't buy a lot of ketchup. <laughs> I think like one bottle of Heinz lasts, lasts me like three years. This is true. It actually, I do have proof that it lasts me three years because we ran a barbecue after our wedding um, for a lot of people to, you know, enjoy and do a little bit of gathering post-wedding. We are still using the ketchup bottle. Oh, it hasn't expired? I mean, probably, but yeah. <laughs> it is a preserved. We haven't died yet. Nobody's gotten sick. It's like a home use only bottle. <laughs> the shame <laughs> hidden in our fridge. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm kind of looking up what the difference is between ketchup and catsup. Are they pronounced the same? I don't think they are because I've heard people say catsup, right? Oh. Okay, according to Merriam-Webster, it can be pronounced either ketchup or ketchup. Huh. Uh, Sorry, I'm asking all of these weird etymology questions. I Oh, no, it's really interesting. So, let's see. Chowhound.com says that there's no difference between ketchup and ketchup, save for the spelling. Hmm, very weird. Mm-hmm. Listeners, we're going to take an unofficial poll. Do you use ketchup or catsup? <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, I suspect it's regional, but I can't. I can't confirm. Confirm our suspicions. We need data. <laughs> okay. Um, are we ready to move on to fashion? <gasps> yes. Or always. Well, not not super fashion, but um, some fashion words. 
well, a word from Southeast Asia. Still always. The Malay word for striped cloth gave us our word for gingham. Oh, what? Yeah. What did they use to describe that pattern before? I don't know. I also learned that I can't spell gingham on the first try at all. (laughs) Wait, let's see if I can do it. Is it G-I-N-G-H-A-M? Yes, it is. Yeah, for whatever reason, it's one of those words that just is new. I can't spell necessary. Oh. It's too many S. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so gingham, the first known use is from 1615. I suspect that they did not have that pattern before then, but I'm not sure. Okay, so it's not like they didn't know what to call the the dress that Dorothy was wearing until like... (laughs) Right, (laughs) right, right. Um, so gingham has been in the vernacular for, you know, a few centuries now. All right. So it's pretty established. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's yeah. firmly in the established category when it's older than the country we are both in. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and then a little bit of chaos is amok, which is a word that was borrowed from Malay in the 1600s as well. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to let you finish, but then I'm going to ask you questions. Oh, I'm I'm gonna move on to the Philippines. So. Oh, okay. Wait, I have Ask questions. questions. Um, so these are both from 1600s. Is it due to trade with the British, or is it trade with other um, countries that then, um, I guess, then got transferred to English? You know, I'm not sure. A lot of um, a lot of the loan words come from you know colonization or. Um, imperial movements throughout the world. Right. So, I mean, it's really interesting to think about, right? Like we talk about like decolonize our identity and decolonize our thoughts, like, but it is interesting that the history of colonization is like so deeply entrenched, even in our language from like colonies that Mm -hmm. the British might not necessarily even have. Right. Right. And I'm not sure if, if um, these words that we borrowed from Malay are due to colonization or trade. You hope it's trade. I hope so. However, that's not the case in a lot of situations. For sure. Hence, our next word, which um, comes out of the American colonization of the Philippines in the late 1800s and early 1900s, which is the... Tagalog word for mountain, and the loan word is boondocks. No, what? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And I apologize if I totally mangle the pronunciation of Tagalog. <laughs> I think you're okay. Are you ready to move to South Asia? Yes. Okay, here we go. In our fashion podcast, I already discussed the Hindi and Urdu. Or the Hindi and Urdu roots of pajamas, but the Hindi and Urdu word for press or massage gave us a way to keep our hair clean. So we have Southeast Asia, or we have South Asia, pardon me, we have South Asia to thank for shampoo. That does make sense. <laughs> and then for the nerds who play video games and tabletop RPGs, loot. Both the noun as in spoils and the verb as in to rob comes from a Hindi and Urdu word that means plunder. Oh. And the noun was first used around 1788, while the verb was first used in 1845. Hmm. 
So prior to 1845, did they just say plunder? I'm I'm sure. I feel like saying plunder is way more dramatic. Okay, so there's this really cool um, tool that Google has called the Ngram Viewer, and it shows the usage of words throughout time. And so if you do loot and plunder, you can see that plunder is used a lot around 1800 and gets less used. And then around, uh, yeah, 1845, 1860, loot starts to get used more and more. Loot got trendy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use um, that Google Ngram viewer a lot when I'm doing historical work. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see, oh, well, this word seems a little too modern. Would it fit or would it not? And um, it's really interesting. Some of the words that are much older, but sound more modern. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I was just going to say, like, isn't the name like there's the Stephanie conundrum for writing because Stephanie is actually like a medieval name. Oh, is it? Yeah, but it sounds too modern, so writers can't don't use it. Oh, that's that's fascinating. <laughs> or it was Tiffany, Tiffany or Stephanie, I can't remember, but one of those names. <laughs> that is super funny. Okay, my absolute favorite word that I came across because it was such a surprise is juggernaut, which has its roots in a Hindi word that means Lord of the World, and it refers to a tale or a rumor that was told by a missionary in the 1300s upon his return to Europe about a religious parade involving an enormous carriage for Vishnu, a Hindu god that ruled over worshipers, which people are kind of thinking was exaggerated and not exactly um, accurate. But as a result, people got sort of taken with this idea and taken with this rumor. And so people started calling large vehicles juggernauts. I actually didn't know that juggernauts meant large vehicle. Yeah, I think I think the usage has changed since, but that's the origin. Oh, that's so that's so crazy. It's like a single story taking over mm-hmm. like a whole culture. Yeah. So those are loan words from our AAPI. But those were the words that I found. I mean, there are others of course, um, but those are my favorites that I thought were the most interesting. So um, if you, there are a ton more too, if you go to any dictionary and look up the history or the etymology of the word, and it's really interesting and it's really fun. And you can go to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, which is my favorite or any dictionary and look up the etymology of any word and see where it came from. All right. Thank you for coming to this very, very short meeting. Follow us on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter as YRFC Podcast, Instagram as Yellow Ranger Fan Club. Email us your thoughts and feelings at yellowrangerfanclub at gmail.com. And we also have our own website where we have a lot of the show notes at yellowrangerfanclub.com. Follow and subscribe so you can keep up to date. A very exciting news. We are actually going to be collaborating with the Situation Room 
and we can't wait for you guys to check it out when it comes out. Cool. Thanks. Have a great holiday season, y'all. Bye.